last time. Line it goes. Davies on the run. Got behind Yedlin who's trying to recover. Alfonso Davies. It's a tie game. Kyle Laren. Kai Havertz, who is around Aderson, and Havertz scores for Chelsea. Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of the Terminal City FC podcast. I'm your host, Josh Ray, as per usual, and always joined by Nathan Dirk. Nathan, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, help yourself, Josh. Doing well. Uh, no episode last week because uh, I was put in the uh, COVID protocol. Now, I won't get into too much, but my symptoms were mostly mild. But I didn't think it was right to do a podcast with it. But we're back now, and we got a lot to talk about. We got it. Yeah, and happy to have you back. So we'll start off, as always, with the Whitecaps. And after a quiet offseason, big news broke a few days ago. Yeah, Big we've news. got to talk about this one, Josh. Maxime Crapo has gone to LAFC. He's following the uh, Marco DeSantos route uh, down south. Yep, it's for a million dollars in general allocation money and a 2025 first-round pick. Yeah, there's also a sell-on clause if he uh, ever decides to go elsewhere uh, outside the league. Um, I mean, we got. I mean, first of all, I think we have to say is nobody expected this move to happen but apparently it's been in the works since the end of the season last year uh the team obviously sits down with all their players they talk about contracts where they are what's going on and look at starting which contracts they wish to renew crapo and schuster sartini and the rest of the the team with the whitecaps uh in their conversation it was revealed that crapo was looking at moving on for personal reasons we don't know what those personal reasons are and it shouldn't matter what they are uh, i mean the rumor mills out there from everywhere from you know the the good to the bad but i'll just kind of leave it at that the one thing i think we have to say is this for the white caps they did a good deal this is the best deal that has ever uh happened within mls for a goalkeeper so it gives the Whitecaps a lot of uh, mobility when it comes to uh, the transfer market. Uh, there is still a few days. Right now, the, the team's in San Diego as part of the training camp. But I think we're going to start seeing a flurry of activity with uh, players coming in rather than players going out. Yeah, and it was for personal reasons which obviously crapo didn't go into but according to sources it wasn't really about family reasons no and they did want to it probably has to do with the contract and the the club probably didn't meet his demands and since crapo wanted to leave it was best to i guess move on and take that one million dollars and spend it for for some assets on the squad And it was just really surprising. Just took everyone aback. Like, no one saw this coming. You know what? It was funny because I think you and I talked at the end of last season about what players we would love to keep, what players we would uh, maybe go, and what players we maybe expect to go. 
And I actually had Crepeau as one of mine that I expected to have interest from Europe. And while he's only moved to LAFC right now, that sell-on clause makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what's going to happen with Crepeau in the next, say, two, three years. Yeah, for sure. We, we thought that Crepeau would get interest in Europe. Maybe not now, but maybe like a year or two. Yeah. But uh, that sell-on clause is, is very... Very interesting. And so no. the Whitecaps will have Thomas LaSalle as the starter. He only played a handful of games last season. They won a couple, but though, but let in like four goals and losses to Seattle and I believe Atlanta or whoever it was. Yeah. But Hassel did really is, well. In the thing the is with Hassel is I think we have to remember uh, when we kind of compare Hassel Crepo. When Crepo started with the Whitecaps, he was 20. Excuse me, he was 24 years old. He had only ever played three MLS games and he'd lost all three. Hassel is 22 years old, two years younger than when Crepo was. And Hassel has 15 games under his belt already. So, you know what? It's not the worst idea in the world. I know that there's been a lot of, a lot of, uh, positivity around Hassel as as being a potential starter, not only for the Whitecaps, but for Canada as well. Uh, get, getting a shot for a goalkeeper at 22 years old to be a starter, I don't know if it's a little early, but I, he's going to get a workout. And he's going to get a workout even more than I think we ever thought because uh, our backup goalkeeper with uh, the Whitecaps, Evan Newton, has also moved on. He's been loaned to uh, El Paso Locomotive as part of the USL Championship. So right now, we're basically down to one goalkeeper on the Whitecaps team and two academy goalkeepers. That's it. Now, Schuster has said they are in the market and are actively looking for another goalkeeper. But with them already naming Hassel as a starter, I don't know what they're looking for. Are they looking for an experienced guy that's willing to only have a few minutes here or there? Are they looking for someone to share with Hassel? Not too sure yet. Yeah. So Evan Newton has been loaned out to El Paso Locomotive FC. So Hassel is pretty much the only goalkeeper on the squad. Though Axel Schuster said a new goalkeeper is being targeted, but didn't bring up any names. Are they going to bring in an experienced backup? Uh, is it going to be a young backup? Who knows? Well, here's my thing, is we, we both know right now Milan Borian is available. He wants out yep. of Red Star Belgrade. He wants to move to an MLS side. Rumor is it was going to be Toronto, but nothing's happened. You want a starting goalkeeper, that's a starting goalkeeper. Yeah. That's, that Borian would be a good for the starting for a starting goalkeeper, not so much as a backup. Not so much as a backup. He would be your starter. But the thing is, is, when you have that much general allocation money, you can afford him. You could yeah. you could give him a higher contract, which he would uh, demand, and pay it down using uh, using uh, you know Garber bucks. And Hassel has did, has shown flashes of what he can be. Like at the MLS's back tournament, he did really well. He did. And I'm not sure if he's ready to take on the starting role now but he has a chance to prove prove me wrong and we shall see what he can do as the season is about a month away from starting 
I think the one thing that will also benefit him is the change in formation underneath Sartini. Uh, I, th- I think it'll benefit in terms of uh, not having to worry about as many shots because he's going to have three center backs in front of him. So uh, hopefully that also works out in his favor. Uh, we should also mention uh, another loan, and this is one that I think the writing has been on the wall since middle of last season, but everyone was hoping it would never happen. And that is uh, Bikel, who's gone over to uh, Europe to play in Italy, uh, the second division, uh, with uh, Visenya, with an option to purchase. Uh, Bikel was uh, one of those players that just got better and better with the Whitecaps last season. Uh, ended up being one of the mainstays, one of your top two choices in uh, the center of the park. Um, but um, he's gone, and it's likely that option to purchase will happen. It's just a way of Visenya moving that payment onto their books for next year rather than having to worry about it this year. But uh, yeah, uh, there is depth in the, with the Whitecaps in the center of the park, but that's a big loss too. Yeah, it's a big loss for Daniel Mikel, Caps mid- midfielder. Like this has been like rumored for weeks that he'd be leaving the club. Everyone knew he wanted to go to Europe. And the thing is, is, the, I guess the nice thing about the Whitecaps is they seem to be accommodating wishes of players. They're they're not holding players hostage to a contract, which is nice. Yeah, and in 2020, as I'm looking here, the advanced analytics show that he was very good defensively. But once Sartini came in, he's he kind of became an after thought, especially with the formation change. So more minutes would benefit him in Italy. Yeah. And I believe they would take on that option to purchase once the, the season ends. I think it's going to be interesting because if you look at where Vicenza is uh, or Vicenza is in the Italian Serie B, they're dead last, I think. So, I mean, this is a team that is fighting for their survival. So, is Bikel the guy that's going to help them out, you know, solidify that defense? Be interesting to see, but uh this could uh, be a move for Bikel that sees him uh, kind of move down, uh, move down in Europe. Yeah, like want to go to Europe, get more minutes because in Vancouver, he's not gonna have a lot of minutes. And well, he's sharing in Vancouver. He's sharing with Iwasa. He's sharing with uh, Tybird, Right. I mean, there is a lot of players in the middle of that park that, and there is depth. So, I mean, he would he would absolutely play here. But he's not going to play much. game in, game out. Yeah, I don't think he'd be playing like every game. He'd be playing like once every few games if he stayed yeah. here in Vancouver. Again, beneficial for him. if he Yeah, goes, that's true. Goes to Italy. And plus, the system, I think like Sartini's three at the back, three, four, two, one. I don't think it really suits him. As much as Mark DeSantos is four at the back, four three three four four two, whatever it was. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of system they'll play over in Italy, but all the best to Mikhail. All the best. Also, some Canadian Premier League news, particularly with Pacific SC. Their coach Pamadu Ka has yeah. left the club, and he's joined the MLS Next North Texas SC. So as we know, MLS Next is a brand new league that's been set up. It's basically a development league for uh, many of the major league soccer soccer clubs. Uh, Whitecaps have a team that's going to be part of MLS Next. Uh, I think in all in all, it's it's not every club, but it's well over 20. 
but uh, him leaving leaves a pretty big hole with Pacific. Now they have already named a new coach. It's going to be uh, the guy that was their assistant last year. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, I don't have his name up uh, on my screen right now. But uh, I think promoting within their club was always the plan. But I think uh, it happened a little bit earlier. And I think it happened a little bit earlier because they won the league last year. We know that Pamadou Kahl was interviewing actually for the top job with FC Dallas in Major League Soccer. Apparently, he impressed a lot of people. He didn't get the job there, but they remembered his name. And now he is uh, in charge of their MLS Next uh, new, brand new inaugural uh, club for, uh, for that new league. The one thing is, I'm wondering, Josh, is with this brand new league, we're starting to see a lot of uh, Canadian Premier League players bleed out into it. So with the CPL being such a young league and with the name recognition of Major League Soccer, what does this do to the CPL? Like, is this going to really kind of hurt their ability to sign players, especially when a lot of these players know they can get bigger contracts if they just go, you know, to MLS next? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm wondering, like, the, the CPL again, a young league, but the MLS next bigger salaries, uh, has a high, you have a higher chance to move up into Absolutely. the MLS. Could, could this hurt the CPL it, from, from the looks of it at this point? It could, especially with a mass migration of players going from the CPL to the MLS next league. Yeah. I mean, we can look at it uh, that way. The other thing we can look at is that the pipeline from, say, college soccer up into uh, a pro league has just the floodgates have opened, right? Like there is such an opportunity for players in North America right now, which is great. But you got to wonder, is it it almost too much too soon? Have we gone so far that the the player pool just isn't there yet? I don't know what the answer is, but I think we're going to... I think we're going to see what's going to happen between the CPL uh, and the uh, and MLS Pro in the next couple of years. And that might lead to a little bit of a contraction in terms of uh, teams uh, folding over a little bit. We already know that there's problems with uh, FC Edmonton. So, you know, is that just uh, the beginning of the writing on the wall? Uh, could this be beginning of the end for the CPL? I mean, the CPL is a great Canadian-only local league. Yeah. For, for not just for, for players' development, but for fans as well. Like FC Edmonton, too, ba- too bad for them. Like the Vancouver Island with Pacific FC, they get their own team to support. Has that like home feeling. Like it's, yeah, it's what, all for it's the a, island. It's a, it's a league where teams can, can exist, where normally a professional sporting team wouldn't exist, right? In, in any sort of sport or any sort of league. It's, it's unique in that it is uh, Canadian, but that it's in smaller markets, not like, uh, say, uh, the Canadian Football League, which we still have, you know, in bigger, bigger cities. This one, yeah, it's, it, th- th- I don't know, there's something inherently Canadian feeling about the CPL. I hope they survive. Uh, I hope they take a breath and figure out what do they need to do, because they're going under a lot of changes, too. Like we talked uh, in our last show the commissioner has just left. So they're going to be bringing in someone new to be basically be the boss of the entire league. It's going to be interesting to see what their plans are. Like what their, what is their next three-year plan? They just finished three years. 
then they're already moving into their first round of potential expansion with the team in the lower mainland and possibly in, Sa in Saskatoon. There's talk about a team somewhere else in the lower uh, peninsula of, uh, of Ontario. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. And it's hope hopefully the CPL doesn't fold thanks to the MLS next league. But yeah. we'll see what happens with the next few years or so. So the Canadian men's national team is back in action on Thursday, they play Honduras, and on Sunday, it's the big match against the United States. And there is some news development. No Alfonso Davies because he is dealing with myocarditis. Myocarditis. It's a heart condition that affects the heart muscle, and it was caused by his bout with COVID-19. So he will be out for Bayern and for Canada for few weeks but he is recovering and he has said that he's doing well yeah i mean the thing is with myocarditis is you just don't know how long it's going to go i mean i look at say like my interests and you know when i follow hockey and my uh emerson oilers go oilers um they had uh players that ended up with myocarditis from covid19 that are essentially uh well i mean i don't want to say retired but haven't played this entire season so it's no joke. It's something that you have to uh, have to monitor. From what we've been told is it does seem very mild. It wasn't even something that he really noticed in training. It was only noticed in a follow-up health exam uh, that there was uh, some irregularities going on with the heart muscle. Hopefully uh, it's something that can be taken care of. I mean, he's playing with Bayern Munich. You've got to have some of the best uh, team doctors and access to facilities in the world. So, uh, yeah, here's the best to him. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to Canadian news, we also have uh, uh, Stefan Esquadio. Uh, sorry, Esquadio. Yeah, Esquadio. Yeah. Sorry, I always get that name. But uh, unfortunately, he's been put on COVID protocol as well. Uh, he has just recently completed a signing to uh, FC Porto in uh, Portugal and was immediately put on the COVID list. Now, he has said that he wants to make it back for the last game. That's going to be a push. But uh, unfortunately, I think this is a bigger loss than Alfonso Davies. And uh, to put it this way, I saw someone describe it as if you look at Canada as a battleship. Davies is your nuclear, nuclear warhead, right? Right. Is Eustachio is your engine, right? Yeah. Right. If you don't have your nuclear warhead, you have other guns. You can make it work. If you don't have your engine, you're dead in the water, right? Yeah, he's, he's the, the guy that the makes it work for Canada. Great analogy. So, yeah, I mean, we have depth in the midfield. Uh, whether or not it's as creative as he is, I don't know. Uh, I think that yeah, I think it makes the, the game against the United States that much more difficult. I would like to think that we've got the fighting chance against Honduras. I mean. Honduras is a good side within CONCACAF, but uh, I'd like to think that Canada has moved uh, ahead of them in, uh, you know, in the depth chart, in the player rankings, and also where our players happen to play around the world. Um, but yeah, it's, it sucks. We hope that these players take care of themselves. We hope that they get back playing, not only for Canada, but their domestic sides as well. Yeah, for sure. Honduras... Canada has a good chance, but you know the, the game against the United States in Hamilton is the biggest, obviously. Yep. And when you take a look at the uh, the rankings 
It's, uh, it's tight. It's tight. So like I mean, Canada game. could drop down to I think about fourth by the end of this. We're in first right now, but that first is by you know a hair. Also, some other news: Scott Arfield has retired from international football, so that means he'll no longer be playing for the Canadian national team. Yeah, I mean, this is one that it kind of feels like the writing was on the wall. He hadn't been called up for the last few windows. Uh, during his last call-up, there seemed to be some sort of animosity within, whether it was division within the players or a disagreement between Arfield and some of the coaching staff. But, um, I mean, he's at the age where he has to decide where his priorities are. He's decided to continue with uh, his team in Scotland. And, um, yeah, I mean, he had a decent run with Canada. I think uh, it was nice. He's one of those players that came to play for Canada that I don't think we would have initially expected when he decided. I think he, he, he qualified through uh, either a parent or a grandfather. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, all the best. Thank you for what you offered uh, the club. And, uh, you know, we'll see you with Rangers. Yeah, 33 years old. Hasn't played for Canada since 2019. I guess uh, he just decided that the Canadian national team isn't a priority anymore. And it's, he's all in on, on Glasgow Rangers, but he was a very professional and passionate player for Canada. So all the best to him with Glasgow Rangers. Yeah, and again, he is playing in a position that Canada has a lot of depth in. We just talked about his stack, but uh, yeah, I mean, he did a job for us and he, he did it well. Uh, I, I guess it's just a little bit uh, saddened by how it. So the Canadian women's national team had some big news too. Another retirement, Stephanie Laba has called it a career, not just from Canada, but with her club PSG too. Yeah, she has decided to retire from uh, from soccer entirely. Uh, I think she's she's already got other projects that she's been working on. She had just recently signed with uh, PSG uh, last summer. Uh, and again, that was going to be now the third Canadian on PSG uh, on the women's team, uh, joining uh, Stephanie Lawrence, or uh, sorry, Ashley Lawrence and... Um, Jordan Heidema. Uh, Heidema, thank you. But... Uh, she just wasn't getting game time. I think uh, since last last season, she's played three times. It just wasn't uh, happening. And I think I think the frustration was starting to show. So she is now retired, even with a, still a year left on her contract. Um, I think, but Labe is going to be known for, first of all, the Olympics. Uh, you know, that smirk that she had during uh, the, the penalty kicks. And just, it almost seemed to like unnerve, uh, you know, uh, players that were coming up against her. Uh, she should also be known for being one of the only uh, female soccer players that I can think of that played for a men's team when she had signed way back in 2018 with uh, Calgary Foothills. Uh, was able to play a few games with, uh, with them before deciding to move on. Uh, she's had a career that spans North America, Sweden, France, uh, all the international games that she's had. I mean, she has, she has, she has played the world and she's done really well. Um, I think uh, she's going to go down as one of Canada's most notable, best and recognizable players. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what she does next. Yep. Canada's national minister of defense, as she was yeah, named exactly, last right? summer, 20 seasons. Oh, 
uh, of soccer has come to an end. She'll move on to other things. Just an, just a great career. We'll all forever be known for smirking during the penalty shootout against Sweden at the, the Olympics last summer. Uh, just 85 caps international career, 44 clean sheets, also won the bronze in Rio, been to three FIFA Women's World Cups, and just a just an incredible career. Yeah, I mean, you start you start uh, listing those accolades, those uh, awards. That uh, I mean, it's it's pretty plain to see. Yeah, all the best to her. So we'll talk about the Europe uh, European football um, on the other side as we hear from our sponsors. Stick around. Want to start your own podcast about sports or whatever? Great. Unsure how to get started? No problem. That's what Buzzsprout is for. The Avid Discussers podcast uses Buzzsprout. It's quick and easy, and myself and thousands of other podcasters around the world use Buzzsprout. You'll get an awesome looking website, plus your show will be out on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and all other platforms. You'll also get ways to promote the show, detailed analytics and stats, and a whole lot more. But that's not all. If you signed up with a paid plan for Buzzsprout, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card, and it would also help support this show. It's easy. Just follow the link in the show notes. Buzzsprout makes podcasting fun and easy. Start your own today. Hey, do you want to win some cash? Do you love sports betting? Then Bet99 is the place for you. It is a Canadian online betting website and app that allows you to bet on football matches or matches of any other sport. It also has an online casino. Bet99 is the official betting sponsor for the Terminal City FC podcast and the Area 51 Sports Network. Go to the Area 51 website, click betting, and sign up for a welcome offer of a 100% match up to your initial deposit of $600, as well as boosted odds for the teams that you care about the most. Bet99.com is Canada's premier place for sports betting and online casino games. Must be 19 plus to play, and please play responsibly. Okay, so we're back. Thank you to our sponsors. The best FIFA football awards. The sixth annual FIFA, the best awards. Yeah, the best was, in quotation uh, marks. Awarded o- over the past week. And it was... Um, it was interesting. The, it was interesting. <laughs> so, uh, start with the best men's player, Robert Lewandowski. That, that's not really a surprise. Not a surprise. It won the Ballon d'Or. Good. Best women's player, Alexia Patelis from Barcelona. Yeah, Again, I mean, she's one of the best in the world. Barcelona was the most dominant team in the world last year. You know, won the league, won the, the Champions League. I think they dropped three points all season. That's it. And, yeah. you know, she was she was the machine that made it work. And best men's coach, Chelsea's Thomas Tuchel. You can talk Again, about no one. surprise. It's been actually today is the one year anniversary of his hiring from Chelsea. And he's done a phenomenal job with the past year. Master tech, tactician, the Champions League, the Super Cup. No surprise there. Yeah. Best women's coach, also from Chelsea, Emma Hayes. Incredible uh, job with the women's team. Domestic treble. What more can you say? 
she did a good job. Um, she was definitely on my top three shortlist. I don't know if I would have picked her to win, but me neither. Okay. Best men's goalkeeper, Chelsea's Edward Mendy. Well deserved. I think this guy was unemployed like seven, six years ago, almost quit football, and now is the best goalkeeper. Yeah, in that, the world. it's just insane when you look at uh, the trajectory <laughs> of his career. Um, you know what? I think it's well deserved. Um, I think people are going to recognize Edward Mendy and not rec- and not uh, confuse him for Benjamin Mendy anymore. Yeah, which is uh, a very good thing. It's not a good but, thing at uh, all. Yeah, you know, talking about what happened a few weeks ago, where he actually was confused with Benjamin Mendy. But uh, uh, yeah, no, well deserved. Best women's goalkeeper, Christiane Endler. Yeah, um, you know what? She is definitely one of the one of the better goalkeepers out there. Uh, Chilean played for uh, PSG, um, and now she just with uh, Olympic Lyonnais. Um, yeah, I don't, I can't really say too much about her other than, I mean, she's always had a very professional career uh, and it has done well. Uh, more for the domestic side than I would say for the national side. But Yeah, very good on the domestic side. The Puskas for the best, for the goal of the year, Tottenham's Eric Lamella. Yeah, hey, we won an award. It's something. And you know what? It was funny. He won it for the Rabona that he had against uh, Arsenal. But this is Lamella. That's not even his best Rabona that he had for Tottenham. So it just seemed kind of strange uh the funny thing is is this is now back to back uh awards for tottenham because the player who won it last year was sun human yep for that goal against burnley yeah so hey I mean, we're, we're winning awards we, we can fill our trophy cabinet we're happy now yeah but not it's uh it's an event individual yeah exactly trust award. me the, my not sarcasm t- is thick on this yeah well deserved for Lamella. Just watching it here it was against Arsenal back in March. It's a good of... goal. It's good a good goal. goal, but I mean, sure, why not? Why not? Um, okay, so let's look at the men's world starting eleven. They went with a three-three-four formation, which is weird. Who? Okay, first of all, who plays a three-three-four? Who plays with four strikers? I don't know. And the thing is, oh. is normally when they pick this award, they go with a 4-3-3. So why, like, why the change? I know. 4-3-3 is the most typical formation in the world. Yeah. Most recognized. Okay. But, uh, so so but here's, here's the other thing is, is Edward Mendy is picked as best goalkeeper. He's not on the list, right? I went to Gianluigi Donnarumma. Yeah, exactly, right? But I so, mean, Donnarumma's good. He did well in the arrows, but Mandy deserved to be on there for what yeah. he's done over the past year. Yeah, it made so no I don't sense understand why he's the best goalkeeper in the world, but not in the best world 11. And when we're talking about that, when we look at the women's side, I think we have even more inconsistencies. We have absolutely no Barcelona players at all listed in the women's top 11, yet this was the best team in the world. No Patelis, who we just said was the women's best player, and she's not in the best best 11. And you got other players in there where it seems like it's a popularity contest, you know? Yeah. Um, you got players like Morgan, who's in there, who played for Tottenham, but then went back to uh, the U.S. Didn't really do much of anything for Tottenham. Didn't, I mean, she didn't really do much at like all. like a profile signing more than anything else. It's just, it, it makes no sense. And unfortunately, the women's side has been plagued with this before. Like, you remember, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago where Rapinoe, 
was uh, chosen for the women's best 11. And I think she played like three games all year. Yeah, this is retired. looking like a popularity contest. Not yeah, it makes no the best. sense. And in, uh, makes- the thing is, is the criticism on these awards for these inconsistencies has been rampant ever since. Just going to go over the women's. Endler was the goalkeeper. Uh, Mag- Magdalena Arison and Millie Bright of Chelsea were the defenders. There was Lucy Bronze of Man City, Wendy Renard of Lyon. Uh, yeah, it's surprising. No Barcelona players. Yeah. I mean, Alex Barcelona was, was I mean, like I said, they barely dropped a point all season. They were the most dominant team out there, and they don't deserve a spot, at least one. I know Marta Orlando Pride was one on it. Vivian Midema of Arsenal. Estefania, Estefania Bonini. Atletico Levante. Barbara Bonas. Bonancia, Juventus, Carly Lloyd of the United States. But again, no Barcelona players. Yeah. But looking at the men's side, it's still kind of odd that it's Donnarumma, not Mendy in goal. David Alaba was named to the the World world 11. Leonardo Bonucci and Ruben Diaz were the other defenders. I mean... I've seen more than a few uh, people, especially within uh, in Canada, saying that the change in formation was so they don't not they didn't have to pick Alfonso Davies. Now, I mean, yeah, know, we're Canadian. That's a stretch, but that's a stretch. The, but the the formation change in general, it seems like that was just because they couldn't figure out what to do between Ronaldo, Holland, Lewandowski, and Messi. It just seems like yeah. they just wanted to pick those four and then figure out the rest as they fell. Yeah, that's what it feels like for a midfielder, yeah. Kevin De Bruyne. Jorginho and Angolo Kante. I mean, those are three yeah. of the best midfielders in the world. Interesting. They all come from England. Interesting. They all come from England. And, of course, the front four, Lewandowski, Messi, Ronaldo, and Holland. You know what? All four that deserve on the team, but not in this formation. I Not in this formation. No. I mean, Ronaldo didn't have, like, the best year over the past year with Juve and Man United. Neither did Messi. Neither did Messi. But I guess they had to be on there because of yeah. reasons. It's just because I, I don't know if anyone can figure out whether or when you should take them off. Like at what point are have they had this amazing career, but, you know, they're on the, the twilight end of it. Uh, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, the FIFA awards, I mean, I – People take them seriously within the soccer world. I think outside of the soccer world, people look at them with a, a little bit of amusement. But yeah, uh, I think this year in particular, well, I mean, and also we haven't even talked about the fact that they had to create an entire brand new award, the special, special award. award. Yeah, which uh, was given to uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Canada's own Christine Sinclair. Uh, basically, it looks like it was an award to award Cristiano Ronaldo for having the most goals now on the men's side internationally. And if you're going to do that, well, then you got to do the women's side as well. So I don't know. Is this an award that's now going to continue? But yeah, hooray, we won this special award. The special award, I guess, is more like a lifetime achievement award. Yeah, which good uh, two players that would be deserving of a lifetime achievement award. But it just seems it seems really vague on what it is that you're looking at in terms of requirements. Yeah. But yeah, it was it's basically an invented imaginary new award. So here we go. 
All right. So our clubs played over the past week. Chelsea, first with a very frustrating draw against Brighton. Hakim Ziyech got the only Chelsea goal. Usually Chelsea dominates possession, but not in this case. It was Brighton who were all over Chelsea. And they could have won that game. Was, the players didn't have any creativity. It looked like they lacked interest. Just probably one of Chelsea's, probably if not the worst Chelsea match of the season and probably the worst under Tuchel. Also, they're going to have stinkers. Yep. There was also a big win over Tottenham, kind of a slow first half. And I do think Harry Kane's goal should have counted. Thank you. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. I I don't even see what the foul was. Well, it's in the box. Harry Kane puts his hand up as he's slowing down because he's about to pivot to get the ball, turn around, and shoot. Thiago Silva goes down like he's been shot for the sake of a hangnail, I I guess. Uh, And it's considered a foul because of the hand on the back. Every pundit, every player, every person that's talked about this can't figure it out. Uh, Again, but the funny thing is, is when they talk about uh, Silva going down, oh, it's gamesmanship. It's his experience. And I'm thinking, you know what? Harry King goes and does the same thing, and he's going to get absolutely slaughtered in the media for it. So, I I mean, to me, this is the double standard that exists when we start talking about England's captain. I know that my bias is showing. I I will fully admit that. But I think if this goal stands, as it should have, it's one nothing Tottenham. You go into the rest of the second half with a very different game. Yeah, I, I, I even I have to agree with that. Yeah. Like if, if that goal stood, the game would have probably ended one one. Tottenham could have won it. Or it felt like that. Now the thing is in the second half, Chelsea absolutely dominated. That was Tuchel ball of, at its finest. Yeah, he they kind of fell asleep. Now again, it was a weird lineup for Tottenham. They have a lot of players right now that aren't available. Uh, Sassanian got a rare start. Uh, you have uh, Eric Dyer came back after being injured. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they they did what they did with what they had, but it's we're definitely not up to the level of the squad that Tottenham uh, would like to be playing with in the starting eleven. So. Yeah, Chelsea comes away with a with what in the end was a deserved two nothing win, but it is a game that could have ended much differently if uh, yeah if referees uh, followed the rules. Yeah, it was again Chelsea possession game had majority of scoring chances. Kepa did look good in goal when he was needed. ZX scored an absolute worldie. You got, yeah, we also got to talk about phenomenal. that that run from Callum Hudson to Doy that started it, but that was also just a phenomenal goal. Then Tiago Silva scores on a free kick with his head to make it. Which was a Tottenham defensive error. Like it just seemed like everyone was asleep for that kick. Yeah. I Even Lloris, I have to say. It, yeah, Lloris it, it looked completely, uh, it sent Lloris the wrong way. And it wasn't even that, that hard of a kick, but it did take a bounce before the Nets, which, you know, can sometimes throw off a goalkeeper, but it just, yeah, it just seemed like everyone was kind of running into each other and forgetting that the ball was coming. Yeah, and then we also got to talk about the concerns of Lukaku. I mean, Lukaku's lack of finishing. Like, he had two missed sitters against Tottenham. Yeah. 
like he he's trying, but he's shooting it into the stands. It's not from lack of service, though. I mean, he he is, you know, taught or uh, sorry, Chelsea is getting the ball to him. So yeah, what is it? I mean, I, they talked about whether or not the formation fits Lukaku, but the thing is, is as a player, you've got to adapt to the rest of your team as well, right? Right, and um, he said he was not happy with the situation, but he'll work hard to fit in. In that interview, yeah, that was apologize that on the pitch. Only scored one goal since the interview, and that was against Chesterfield in the FA Cup. Which and um, this, this is the this is Chelsea's biggest signing, and he can't hit the net. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the formation like it's it's starting to work. The buildup is there, but the goals aren't coming. He hasn't scored in the Premier League since that away win against Aston Villa. And by the way, his three out of his four goals in the Premier League, no wait, three out of five, I believe, his four goals in the Premier League are against Aston Villa. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, which 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 is interesting. And especially when you think that Aston Villa is a completely different team. So when those uh two sides meet up again, it might not it might not happen again. Yeah. And Tuchel has been underutilizing Timo Werder and Kai Havertz, especially Kai Havertz in the last few weeks. Remember, this is the guy that won us the Champions League with, with that goal in Porto. And he can yeah. finish too. He's a versatile player who can play anywhere. And he has talent. And there's more talent in there because he's only 22. So why not play him, especially when Lukaku's not finishing? Why not play the two Germans together? Uh, I don't know what it is, but I like to see them more on the pitch than on the bench. You know what? When I look at the Chelsea lineup, Chelsea has a lot of depth in the attacking midfield because you also got to figure out with, with you know, where you put the Germans. But where do you fit Mason Mount into a, a formation like that? Right? They've got a lot of players that can come off the bench and do a good job, but it's a matter of like how many of them can you put on the pitch at the same time, right? Then you also have someone like uh, Pulisic, right? Yeah, but Pulisic is more, again, he's a winger. not in a, He's a winger, but he's going to be in your attacking third, right? Right, the three. But with Tuchel, he's been constantly changing the formation over the past month. It's no yeah. longer three at the back now. It's four. He goes with a four-one-four-one. I believe that's what he went with. Okay. So... Um, there's lots of room for Werner and Havertz and Mount to be placed in their correct positions with the formation, with the constant formation changes. And this could probably help Lukaku get his finishing back. And since the transfer window is open, Chelsea haven't done anything, but they have been linked to another winger, to Usman Dembele from Barcelona. Yeah, the whole oh. Dembele uh, situation in, in Barcelona is almost starting to turn a little bit farcical. There's been a war of words between Dembele and his club that has unfortunately bled into the media. Uh, I think the writing is on the wall. Dembele is out of Barcelona. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Uh, Barcelona wants him gone now. Dembele is saying he's there to play out to the rest of his contract. Now, uh, I don't think Barcelona is going to want that. They're going to want to get some money for him. But he's basically been told he's no longer part of Barcelona's plans. I mean, Dembele has talent. He uh, does. He's a winger. He's been plagued by injuries, though. But he's but he's injury prone, much like Christian Pulisic. Yeah. 
Uh, has been at Barcelona since 2017. One of their most expensive signings ever. I believe second behind Coutinho. But again, injury plagued. He can play a wing. He is mainly a winger. And can also play attacking midfielder. So, I mean, it's interesting. It would add more attacking depth. I mean, I'm willing to take a chance. But this guy has been so injury prone. And we already have an injury-prone winger. So you just hope that their injuries offset each other. Pretty much. But Chelsea (laughs) need a wing-back because Reese James is out. Ben Chilwell is pretty much out for the entire season. Yeah, Marcus Alonso is like the only legitimate wing-back, and he has problems defending. And Callum Hudson-Odoi and Hakim Ziyech have been played as wing-backs, I believe. No, I think it's believed just Hudson-Odoi. Even Christian Pulisic has been played as a wing-back. Well, just I, don't uh, don't hijack uh, Cotton's, uh, you know, movement for Adama Traore. I don't know what the situation is. Like I've heard much, they don't want to recall Emerson. Um, that like I don't can think of any names what I want, um, but a wing back is needed to help the the attack, especially with the crosses, and to defend. Only like what five days left in the window. Yeah, but the, uh, the funny thing with Chelsea is you're right. They haven't done any movement, but there hasn't really been a lot of talk about Chelsea when it comes to the transfer window. It's been only, only the Dembele talks. That's it. But that's it. Right? So, I mean, Chelsea have never really been known to spend a lot in the January transfer window, but they have made significant signings in the past including Gary Cahill, Brandon Slavovanovic, uh, Fernando Torres. I know, but that goal against Barcelona kind of makes him a cult hero. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys come to mind. So, um, oh, and Olivier Giroud. Right. Who um, would, be ne- would be needed in this club, especially with the lack of finishing. So, they, there hasn't been a lot of talk about a wingback, though they desperately need one. So I don't think a, a wingback's coming. I think Dembele will probably come to Chelsea right around deadline day. But I guess that a wingback will be pri- prioritized again in the summer. Also All with right. another center back and a defensive midfielder. Pieces needed, but uh, not a lot of talk about filling them right now. Right, so Spurs, uh, before their 2-0 loss to Chelsea, they had a, a thrilling midweek match against Leicester. Came back, the super sub, Steven Bergwijn, the hero. What a game. I mean, this was this was a game that, first of all, Tottenham deserved to get something out of it, whether it was a point or three. They were absolutely dominant in possession. The shots, when Leicester got their first goal, I think it was their, on their first shot, Tottenham already had 10 by that point. And it was just... What normally would happen is you would see a team that gets demoralized, that gets a little bit frustrated at their lack of being able to kind of just get it over the line. And they didn't. You know what? It was it was uh, Kane got the first goal. He, uh, you know, it was just a, a very typical good finish. But Steven Bergwijn comes in, you know, somewhere around the 70th minute and gets two goals in added time one I think in like the 94th minute and another one about 
I think it was like a minute and a half later. It was literally the last gasp of the game to come back and win it 3-2. It actually beats the uh, the famed uh, Manchester City game um, where uh, uh, Sergio Aguero uh, won, won the league, basically, in, in injury time. Um, uh, to take uh, to take the title away from uh, you know the the neighbors uh, across Manchester, uh, it ends up uh, becoming the the latest that a game has been, or that a team has come from a losing position to go on and win the game in uh, Premier League history. So, yeah, that it was absolutely one of those uh, kind of phenomenal moments, like one of the ones where you know you win the game and then you jump into the crowd. I don't think anyone saw it happening. I mean, we're, we're used to, we're not used to Spurs fighting like this to the end. And I think it was really, really good to see. Uh, the interesting thing is Steven Bergwijn, or sorry, Steven Bergwijn could be on his way out of Tottenham. Uh, Ajax has already made a bid for him. Uh, it was, it was uh, turned down, but there are rumors that they're going to be coming back to make a new bid. And given, you know, that he just had the, that two uh, goal, you know, appearance midweek. And then he, you know, he did a decent job uh, against the loss with Chelsea. Makes me wonder what they're going to be uh, raising their bid to, if they're going to be coming back to Tottenham to, uh, to, uh, to take them. Um, the thing is, is I think we're starting to see what Conte can do with Tottenham. This is now nine, 10 games with them in the Premier League. They've only lost once. In fact, they've taken this second most amount of points in the Premier League, second only in a Manchester City. So it does show you that Tottenham have pieces within their squad that can do the job. They're by no means the perfect uh, piece. And there are still probably, you know, two, three transfer windows away from, you know, challenging on a consistent basis, the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, the, the Man City's, but they are a team with a lot of potential movements. Uh, Fabrizio Romano was actually just saying today that he expects Tottenham to be probably one of the busiest clubs heading into uh, deadline day uh, here in January. We know that uh, the deal for Adama Traore is basically finished. It looks like it's going to be around the 20 million pound mark uh, in a transfer fee. Uh, it looks like personal uh, contract has already been settled with them. It's just a matter of getting it over the line with Wolves. Uh, and then again, I mean, man, you pick a player in Europe and it seems like Tottenham has uh, been uh, attached to him. Uh, they just had uh, a bid for uh, Luis Diaz of Porto rejected. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, I think they, they bid about 40, uh, just under 40 million pounds. He's got a release clause of 66, but they're trying to get him for a little bit cheaper because, you know, is Daniel Levy and he doesn't do anything easy for Tottenham. Uh, and even though that first deal has been rejected, it does look like they're going to come back to it. Uh, Diaz has had an absolutely phenomenal year with Pardo. I think in 18 games, he's got 14 goals. And that's coming off uh, an attacking position, uh, usually off the wing. Um, but they're not going to stop there. I mean, they uh, looks like there is a movement for, uh, let me just see here. 
uh, Sofian Amarat. Now, this is a Fiorentina midfielder that Conte has been really, really uh, high up on. Right now, it looks like nothing other than depth. He's not really a player that really plays a lot for Fiorentina, but he's a young player um, that looks like there's a lot of potential upside. And it looks like uh, Tottenham will be able to get him on the cheap, uh, whether it's uh, alone for the rest of the season with an option to buy. Uh, it looks like that is one that is moving very, very quickly to being uh, completed. Everyone's favorite uh, player to talk about, Dusan Vlahovic. It doesn't look like he's going to uh, England anytime soon. Uh, it looked like Arsenal was uh, the team talking more to him than Tottenham, but it looks like he's uh, looking to stay in Italy, possibly now with Juventus. So I think the talk about that has been done, but it looks like the, the next player that everyone's talking about is Canada's own Jonathan David. He's uh, been talked about with Tottenham, with Arsenal, uh, with Liverpool even a little bit, with, uh, with Spain and uh, with Real Madrid and Barcelona. So he looks to like he's like the next player that everyone kind of wants to talk about. Um, I don't see him coming to Tottenham. Uh, he is a starter. And unless Tottenham decides to go two at the front consistently, I don't see that happening. Yeah, maybe to a smaller club, maybe like a club like Newcastle, I think would fit Jonathan David. Maybe. Uh, I think he could play at a higher level. I mean, when you look at what he's done with Lil, um, I think I think with this much talk, a bigger club will entice him. Uh, the one thing is, I think his, uh, his transfer value has gone up uh, in the past while. Uh, I hate to say it, Arsenal might be the team for him, especially with the Bamiyang looking like he's uh, got one foot out the door. I hope yeah. it's not Arsenal because I just don't want Arsenal to have any. Yeah, me either. I mean, we can uh, agree on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Vlahovic going to Juve. Uh, Jonathan David's pretty much the guy everybody wants to sign out. And Tottenham, speaking back to Tottenham, like seems like they're linked to everybody. Absolutely everyone. Like they they haven't signed anyone either this transfer window. They're like Chelsea. But the difference uh, between Tottenham and Chelsea is that Spurs have been linked to everyone. I do think Traore will get over the line. Uh, I think yeah, right it's, now it's just it a seems matter imminent of, now. It's those little details. Uh, that's a good signing for Tottenham. It's a great signing, especially if they can convert him into the wingback position. It seems like Traore is actually really, really looking forward to that. Uh, forwards to working with Conte and becoming that player, becoming that important guy on the right side. So it's just a matter of time. What's really holding up Tottenham is needing to get players out of the club. It does look like Deli Alley, uh, a move between uh, Spurs and Newcastle might be on the books. Uh, whether it's uh, a loan, whether it's uh, a loan and option to buy, I don't know. But there is talk heading that way. There's also talk about uh, Tange Ndele uh, leaving the club. And I, I got to say, good. This is Tottenham's most expensive signing ever. And it just, he yeah, looks like a really? player that doesn't care. Doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. I don't know why he came in the first place, but it looks like uh, talk familiar. with uh, PSG is happening. Yeah. Uh, it looks like there's also a possibility uh, of Everton now talking with Tottenham over it. Um, I think uh, with PSG is more likely. Uh, it does look like there's uh, the possibility of a player swap. Uh, a couple of different players have been uh, mentioned. 
whether or not it happened, it's a matter of trying to get them uh, interested in the deal as well, because you know, you're not gonna see anything just happen. There's now even talk about Roma uh, coming into it. I know, uh, you know, Jose Mourinho was always a big fan of him, brought him into the club in time with, uh, with Spurs. So maybe he follows uh, Mourinho to, to Italy. I don't know. The other one that does seem to be interesting, and it doesn't seem like it'll be this window, it looks like it'll be more for the summer, is uh, with uh, Juventus and uh, Paulo Dybala. Uh, Dybala is not going to be renewing his contract with uh, Juventus, so Tottenham could get him on a free in, uh, in the uh, offseason. The guy has a relationship with not only with uh, Conte, but also with uh, Parisi, the uh, sporting director. And it looks like Tottenham is kind of, you know, first on the list for Dybala. So that could be one to watch for when it comes into the summer. And if that's the case, I don't see them looking for a striker anytime soon. The one thing that Tottenham still needs is a center back. They need uh, more depth there. Uh, it does look like uh, Joe uh, Rondon is gone. Uh, he was... Uh, uh, came from Swansea. It had a lot of upside, a domestic player, but he's just not getting the game time. He's not getting the game time to prove himself. He's had flashes when he has played, but Eric Dyer is ahead of him. Uh, Davidson Sanchez has become a different player under Conte. Uh, Romero is almost back to health, so he's going to be there. Ben Davies has been converted into a, a very decent center back on the left side. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's just no space for him. So he's another player that I see uh, leaving. Uh, I think ideally Spurs are going to be looking to get rid of Nimdele, uh, Deli Alley, uh, Rondon, and uh, also we've got uh, Matt Doherty uh, on the on the right side. If Traore comes in, Doherty is done. He's not going to find anywhere to play. There is rumors that he could be heading in the opposite direction, back to Wolves. That's where he uh, came from, and he did rather well with them. It's what got him noticed by Tottenham in the first place. But um, I think you're going to see a very, very busy Tottenham, not only with players coming in, but with players leaving. It's just a matter of getting it over the line. Yeah, a lot of transfer business with Tottenham. Um, so let's um, – some news out of the AFCON. Yeah, of nations. Uh, some tragic news. Uh, at least eight people dead and 38 in a like it was like a stampede outside the stadium in Cameroon. Yeah, uh, it was a game between uh Cameroon and uh Comoros. Uh, it looked like there was a, a stampede. Uh, I don't know, I think it was uh onto the pitch at the end of a game or it was outside of the stadium. Unfortunately, it has led to, like you said, uh, eight dead at least, uh, 38 injured. Um, and it's uh, the one of the quarterfinal games was supposed to be held at that stadium. It's now been moved. Um, but uh, I mean, the African Cup of Nations seems to have been kind of plagued with, you know, really bad stories uh, this time around. So, and this just yeah. just adds to it. And now it's got a body count. Like we got a we got a like in one of the opening games, uh, the ref ended the game at the 85th minute. Yeah, and then he ended the game again at like the 88th minutes. Like it just, it was weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's still going on now. The uh, round of 16 
is going up. Recent match, Egypt beat Ivory Coast on penalties. Uh, Mali and Equatorial Guinea are going on right now. So um, Morocco has moved on. Senegal has moved on. Cameroon has moved on. Um, surprisingly, Nigeria is out. Yeah. Yeah, there's some big names that have uh, exited quite quickly. Yeah, but the Af- but AFCON has been plagued with controversy and just really poor stories like the Stampede. Well, the there's also the talk about uh, Sado Mane and uh, the fact that they let him continue to play after uh, possibly having concussion symptoms. Yeah, that's... Um, and the refing has been pretty horrific there too. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 one of those uh international competitions that a lot of uh, teams especially in europe don't like sending their players to because it's in the middle of their season i mean they they manage it but this this tournament in particular seems to be having more problems and they're they go right down to the planning side of it 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 seems like it was a, a poorly planned tournament it seems like there's not enough consistency in refing that we've already talked about. There's not enough consistency in crowd management. Uh, unfortunately, it's damaging the reputation of the tournament. And this is the number one tournament in, uh, in Africa. I mean, this is something that should be on par with uh, the Euros, you know, to a lesser extent, uh, you know, what we would consider here the Gold Cup, right? It's, but yeah, it's, it's been plagued. Yeah, it's just been a very controversial start, tournament from the start, especially with big names like Salah, Mane, Edward Mendy leaving their clubs in the middle of the season for this tournament. I think teams are used to that. I mean, it's teams are like, used to that. Yeah, but it, like after it hurts been this way forever. But it, yeah, it does oh. suck, especially when you're in January and you've just got a massive amount of games. Uh, we'll wrap it up with some other. Canadian news. Marcus Haber has joined Savai Ring FC in Cambodia. Yeah, I mean, we recognize Marcus Haber's name. He used to be the main striker for Canada uh, back when Canada was still ranked like, you know, 80th, 90th in the FIFA rankings. Marcus Haber was the guy that would continue to come and play for Canada. Um, I mean, he's had a career that's taken him into some of the most obscure places. I gotta say, playing for the Cambodian side Svei Riang has got to be one of the more unique ones. Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting signing, and he decides to go there of all places. He's a Vancouver native. Yep. Um, played for the well, wasn't he was part of the Whitecaps um, when they were in before the MLS days in the UCL. Yeah, uh, he's actually uh, played in quite a few uh, different places. He's also played in Europe as well. I uh, played for, for West uh, Brom. Alexandria. He uh, he has played a lot of his career in uh, in Scotland. He also did yep. play for in Canada with Pacific FC and uh, and Calvary out of Calgary. But uh, yeah, um, he's I mean definitely he's towards the end of his career. He's thirty three years old and he's a striker. You don't see a whole lot of strikers go beyond that unless you're you know 
you know, some crazy tall giant guy out of Sweden. But uh, yeah, uh, this is a, an interesting signing. It's uh, I, I kind of want to follow to see how how well does he do in Cambodia, uh, more just out of curiosity. But uh, I mean, it does show you the just how international this game is. Yeah, he's been he's been everywhere. He's the everywhere man. Yeah, he is. So that'll wrap up Terminal City FC this week. Good to be back. We'll be back weekly, especially with the Whitecaps season just around the corner. Uh, we'll be covering their season all throughout. And their transfers uh, coming up to it. Yep. And all the other big soccer stories across Canada and across the world. So um, that concludes the episode this week. Uh, follow me on Twitter at JoshuaRay91. Nathan is and Durek. And follow the podcast account at Terminal City FC. Also on Instagram and Facebook. Just search up Terminal City FC. And hope you enjoyed this week's episode. That That's the end. Peace out. Take care.